0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, like always, Brady Carducci. And today on the show, I have the pleasure of talking with a Toronto based entrepreneur, YouTuber, photographer, creative director. He does it all. Um, he's worked with brands such as Air Canada, Formula One, Lamborghini, just to get into a few. Please welcome to the show, Alan Plander. Alan, thanks for coming, man. How's it going?
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me, buddy.
0: No problem. I'm... Hey. Uh, I'm really excited to sit down with you. We're gonna talk social media, branding, YouTube, all that good stuff. um so I'm excited but before we get into that, i know we we chatted a little bit about it off camera um, but how you been doing with covid? How's kind of uh, business been? how you been personally like uh, fill us in yeah i mean it's
1: it's been a challenging time as I, I can imagine for everyone mm-hmm. around the world. um I've been coping with through various different methods. I mean, talking to people has been a huge part of it. Like I started these workshops, online workshops where I've been mentoring a lot of uh, up and coming photographers or even people who are currently in the industry that just need to have a better grasp of social media and how to approach it. Um, And that has been uh, uplifting in many ways because you're not focusing on the negatives of what's happening around the world. You're kind of focusing on more of the opportunities and positivity that's uh, being displayed Aside from that, just enjoying summer, man. We've been having an incredible summer here in Toronto. I don't want to, I'm going to knock on some (laughs) wood right now. But we've been having an incredible uh, summer in Toronto and I, I guess across Canada. And thankfully we are in Canada and things have been pretty consistent in terms of approach.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, yeah. Toronto, like we were saying before, Toronto is, is, is definitely very beautiful in the summertime. So, um, I'm happy now that at least things are opening up so we can kind of enjoy it a little bit more, you know, stage three. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I know I last night I enjoyed a nice uh, dinner at a patio
1: outside. Yeah. I and mean, I feel like Toronto should have been like this from the get go. I mean, we've, we've always struggled with the outdoor spaces. It's always yeah. been indoor, but I think this is a moment of transformation for, uh, the city, and uh, hopefully we get to see more patios in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you uh, <laughs> do you have a go to patio spot in Toronto? Uh,
1: I live off of Queen Street, so there's an abundance up up to leading to Ossington. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but uh, anywhere that you walk around Queen Street, you're gonna bound to stop at a, some sort of outdoor cafe or outdoor restaurant.
0: Yeah, you definitely you definitely live in a, a good location. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I kind of wanted to start things off by just getting into a little bit about your background, because I feel like it's, it's pretty unique. So you were actually born in Iraq, and I know you immigrated here um, with your family when you were quite young to Canada. So obviously with, you know, culture in Iraq and Canada, I think is, is pretty different. How did you, you know, just adapt and transition to, you know, the Canadian lifestyle and I guess the Western way of, of living? Yeah, I mean,
1: I came here when I was relatively young. I was seven years old. Uh, leaving any country for, you know, anything that has to do with like war and, um, anything that has to do with that kind of stuff is, is, Mm -hmm. is difficult. I mean, it's a challenge in its own. And luckily I was young and my parents and my siblings did an amazing job in kind of raising me here and uh, guiding me throughout the, the process. Um, Canada has been a breath of fresh air to say the least. Um, I, it's weird because the moment we, we were in, we were in, uh, in Turkey, and we were sitting across the United Nations kind of representatives asking them wow. where to, like, what are the situations, like, what countries are letting people immigrate to them. And he gave us options. It was a canned Australian United States. And he was talking to me in Turkish, and I happened to learn Turkish while living there for a year. Okay. And he was a Canadian. He was a Canadian, and he was like, don't go to the United States. Like, don't go to Australia, it's too far. And then he convinced me on Canada. And my parents are like, what, where, like, what is Canada? Because we didn't have a really clear understanding of it. I mean, in, anywhere in the Middle East um, and particularly in Europe, not, not as much now as before, but Canada was always kind of just like hidden. Mm. Um, I feel like it's, it's now more discovered, gem around the world and you know, Canadians get to show the rest of the world how incredible we are. And I happen to be able to be a Canadian that represents this country and traveling world and working with brands and stuff like that so it's been and kind of a you know full circle experience for me and it's been refreshing and an amazing opportunity for sure
0: no, hundred percent. That's pretty cool. It's just funny too that, like, you know, he he was Canadian, so he's, he'll be a little bit biased. But it's just, uh, I find even when I'm when I'm traveling, I don't know if you can say the same, but like worldwide, I feel like you know, you say like, oh, I'm Canadian, like people was like, oh my god, you're like we have a good reputation worldwide. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, Which it's is- interesting
1: because I don't get Canadian. Like, obviously, no one's gonna be stopping my stream and be like, oh, you're Canadian,
0: mm-hmm. but.
1: Um, one day, they like, try to guess where I'm from, they'll say Europe first, and then I'll tell them, no, I'm Middle Eastern, and then I'll be like, oh, you're from Middle East? And I'm like, yeah, and then I'll be like, but I live in Canada, and they're like, oh, Canada. <laughs> so the reaction kind of just like grows, up. and it's, just, it's cool. It's a good feeling now, for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. we're a lot more competitive as a country now, so that's good. We need to I think so, it. too
0: yeah exactly we need to be like in there because i feel like like you were saying for so long can has just been like kind of pushed to the side but now yeah. no more you know which is good no,
1: i think the rest of the world should see what we're doing and kind of follow in our footsteps not the other way around
0: exactly um anyway. so uh you said that you're was now when you moved over here um you know uh and did you settle right in toronto like did you settle in the suburbs and then eventually gravitated towards toronto like how was your um you know your upbringing when it when it when it came to kind of just traveling and and moving around
1: yeah i mean when we came to canada i mean it was a dark night Like, we landed on the airplane and it was just we were in saga and we're like what is happening oh and we God. had some relatives in mississauga and they were trying to convince us to stay in mississauga and live there but um because we were refugees we had to work with the canadian government and they go. Mm in Kitchener, Waterloo. So I was born, I was raised in, not born, I was raised in the, in the KW for, I guess, half of my life um, and then went to university there. All my siblings went to school there and then, yeah, slowly we just all kind of just started uh, expanding our our, our our minds and then moving towards like the cities more and uh, I've been living in Toronto for more than seven
0: years now, so. Oh, okay, yeah, so you've been living for, for a long, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I've been okay. here for quite a bit. Awesome. Um, so you said, you know, perfect point. You mentioned you went to university, uh, when, um, Waterloo, I know. So I feel like your path into photography in particular is pretty unique because, you know, you started out in the architecture, the design field, I know going to UFT, your, 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 uh, your masters. Um, yeah. so what made you want to, you know, like just take that switch and go, Hey, you know what? Architecture is not for me. I want to get into photography. Like, how did that happen?
1: yeah I wish it was more of a an easy decision to have been made, but it was very difficult i, I from when I was really young I wanted to be an architect because I was just really fascinated by architecture and how people really um, connected with it. I found mm-hmm. that it's the one thing that like brings people in you know can push people out it, it has a lot of uh, you know emotional connectivity with with humans and how we react as civilized humans um, and so I was fascinated by that and I just thought it was beautiful. I, I traveled really young and got to see places around the world that like really expanded my mind. And, um, so undergrad urban design and then masters, I started in architecture, but while I was doing my undergrad and while I started my masters, I was on social media, just sharing pictures. Um, okay. pictures of my travels, it was just like, I'd go to Italy and I'll take pictures of like Rome or something. and I'd post them on there and it was nothing of me or there was, the context was really around architecture and how architecture is like such an importance in those places mm. and then next thing you know is like Instagram reaches out um, all these other you know online freaking um, websites and publications and one company after another just keeps messaging me saying hey we want to work with you and then it became into bigger brands and I, at that point I was kind of at a standstill, like, what do I do? I just started my master's, but like, I'm already making a lot more money than if I finished my master's and worked as an architect for the next five years. So I was like, Whoa, what, like, how do I approach this? Yeah. And I sat with the Dean of my university and I explained the situation. He just looked at me like downfounded. He's just like, what, what do you mean? Like you're telling me that you have 13 flights booked for the next three months and you're sitting here in class being like, it's like, go do this, go pursue it. Um, obviously it wasn't the only person I spoke to. I spoke to my parents and stuff like that, but everyone was super positive about me leaving architecture to pursue this. I needed that. I couldn't make the decision on my own. I felt so, it was bizarre because it was like what I was passionate about and what I wanted to be so bad my entire mm-hmm. life. And then versus like this amazing opportunity just kind of landed on in, in my hands that I didn't know what the potential could be for and then, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously made a decision and I do not regret it at yeah, all. Yeah, it,
0: it's <laughs> definitely, I'd say it's definitely worked out for you, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it worked out. <laughs> and I think it worked out because I took all the energy and all that aspiration and I just put it into this. And I said, you know what, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do 100 and like two, oh, 200%, I'm not even gonna give it 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people need to do that when they're trying to start something new.
0: Yeah. They
1: really have to be focused their energy
0: yeah. And especially, too, it's like, you know, you were young at the time and it's like, you know, now that, you know, um, you know, I feel like at a young age, that's exactly the time to be taking risks because it's like, you know, if I go this direction and it, and it doesn't work, you still have, you know, you still have time to like rebound and, and figure out your next plan rather than, you know, you wait like until you're, I don't know, 30, 40, you have more responsibilities, kids, wife, all that. It's like, ah, oh, it makes it, it makes it a lot tough to, to make those type of decisions. Right. So, yeah, um, no, for
1: sure. I mean, luckily I didn't have all those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had wife and kids and I had to decide on something like that, that would have been really difficult. Um, and it's crazy because you'd think that those type of opportunities only come to people who don't have those things in their lives. But mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that are super successful off social media and whatever, they're all married with kids. Oh, and wow, they're okay. like, balancing and juggling all these like career changes. And uh, But, you know, you got to look at it and analyze it and really calculate the decision. Um, and sometimes that takes time. It's not like a you know, in the moment thing that you do.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, when you know you mentioned that a lot of brands and stuff were reaching out to you um, just off of your content and stuff, they obviously liked. You know, did you like going into it? Did, were you were you super confident? Like, was there a doubt in your mind that you could make this work? Because you know you're coming from a, a field that's you know uh, it, I mean it's similar in terms of like a, it's a it's an art, it's a creative uh, creative background in it, but it's totally different when it comes to you know operating cameras and, and branding and all that stuff. So were you were you confident? Was there doubt? Like, what did you do to you know? overcome that doubt if you had any, um, you know, and what learning kind of resources uh, did you go to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be human if I didn't have any doubt. Like, of I, course. I in the beginning was like, damn, like, you want me to fly where and do what campaign? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I barely even know how to use this camera still, because like, a lot of my focus was just on creating the work, not really thinking about the process, or really analyzing the other opportunities that might come from it. And yeah, you start to doubt yourself. But then, you got to change that data into just a big question mark that needs an answer, right? So what is it that you're doubting? And I had to like, work through that in stages, uh, really understanding what it was to be a photographer or to be a creative director or to like work with a brand and build their entire creative kind of personality online. These are things that I didn't really know much about, but I took it the same way I took my education. It was just like, you know, you go through the theory and you do the application aspect of it. Um, and I think breaking up into stages, really okay. definitely changed the way I approached it and to this day it's made things a lot easier for me because even with starting my production company I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I had my like urban planning or urban design degree because in that degree I learned how to really um strategize and plan things and really figure out who is doing what and like what are the responsibilities because you can't do everything yourself and for a very long time I was because I didn't know what I was doing right Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of challenges that you do have to face and you kind of stick them one at a time.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, obviously as you, uh, you know, each brand you work with, it's kind of like, you know, you grow, you grow as a, as a photographer, as an individual too. So it's like, I can imagine the, the progression when you look back was probably pretty crazy to see. Cause it's like, yo, I, you know, this is how I went about working with this brand. And then you, you know, you kind of reflect, you're like, wow, I've really come a long way when it comes to like a, probably the quality of the content you're, you're shooting. And then just the process in terms of like, you know, email and like, you know, how you approach uh, dealing with each client, which is, uh, it's always good to see it means you know it's, it's a positive thing right so
1: absolutely um, i mean the one thing i do always recommend people to do and i don't usually say this on camera but i always tell people write a list of like 10 things that you are not comfortable with and okay. for me it was like if someone asked me to go on stage and print hundreds of people and explain to them what it means to be a photographer what i'm doing as a career choice because for me I, I i like as much as i was passionate about it i my heart was still in something else so i was kind of, still like kind of mm-hmm. not motivated as a yeah. like to be. Um but I did that list and slowly you start to cross off those challenges and then you become you get to a point where things don't really phase you anymore. Like
0: okay.
1: honestly like the biggest brand in the world could hit me up tomorrow and have like the most crazy deliverables, expectations could be out of the like the craziest expectations and I would just
0: be like, okay, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. You like uh, you don't, you don't, don't you, uh, you don't bat an eye.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people are fearful of the things that they think that they can't do and they avoid them at all costs and i don't think that's how you grow i think what you the way that you grow is you just create those circumstances for you to kind of hurdle over those things yourself and don't let them just come because they came you know because it just happened as a situation so like as good example was i got asked to do a tedx talk and I got asked to do it twice. The first time I rejected it because I was super, super like, I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to talk about? Like,
0: right.
1: Well, like I have to memorize a speech. I have to like do all this. And it wasn't that I have like a fear of public speaking. It was just more like, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. And I was fearful that if I don't know what I'm talking about, people are just going to think I'm, I'm just kind of just like doing this because it's cool.
0: Right. Uh, Okay. Or you want the attention or something like that. Yeah.
1: So I said, no. And then I challenged myself. I said, you know what? I can do it. I should be able to do it. And I, and I reached out um, to another, another university that was hosting it. And they were just like 100% come on board, let's do it. And I did it. And it was literally the best experience. Ever. And that like made me so much more confident moving forward because I was like, okay, it was it was in the beginning a circumstance that just fell into my hands, but mm-hmm. I connected that and I kind of recreated myself that the challenge and you just have to recreate your challenges.
0: Yeah, man, that's, a, that's a perfect example. Cause it's like, I almost feel like, you know, as hard as it is, I feel like fear is there for a reason. It's there to push you and, and you should, cause it's almost like, you know, you, you can only stay in your bubble, your comfort zone for so long. And then, you know, you, you reach a point where it's like, you know, the, the progression kind of just stops and you hit a plateau and it's like, okay, well now it's time I got to, I got to challenge myself. And that's when, you know, real growth happens or exactly what you were saying about uh, the TEDx talk. And so yeah. now, you know, you're we're more comfortable on stage, which is awesome. Um, right. so, uh, I want to get into a little bit about, I, I know we alluded it a little earlier about how you kind of built your brand just by, posting content online um but in terms of gaining a a following i know obviously it attracted brands right off the bat but in terms of you know uh your youtube and your instagram in terms of just just followers and people like eyeballs on your content were you actively going out and being like hey okay you know what i'm gonna maybe post this because i think like analytics wise is gonna do well or did you find that more eyeballs were just coming on your uh to your content just organically
1: i think it's a combination of the two um okay definitely the the idea of i mean being organic in in your content is super important and being original so for me the challenge is always to create something that no one else is creating or to see something in a way that everyone else is not seeing it Mm -hmm. Uh, and then sharing stories that were very unique to my experiences and not just kind of an overall hey guys i went to the same location this last photographer went to and i shot the same waterfall at the same time and i wore the same jacket that was not me and that, that, mm-hmm. that never was me. And I've never wanted to do that because that defeats the purpose of why I want to pursue photography to begin with. It all came down to the storytelling element and having an experience that I literally lived out my, like my, my best life. And then also be able to share with people and talk about how beautiful it was and hopefully have some artistic images to display it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there's a point in time when you're on social media that you do have to be critical mm-hmm. and as a business any business, if you're a pizza store, you know what I mean? If you're starting to notice, you know, you have your store, you walk in or the client walks, the customer walks in and they see, you know, 10 different types of pizzas, but none of them are interesting to them because they're all, you know, pepperoni pizzas, nothing right. else. Yeah. Next day you try pepperoni when you have another Hawaiian, you have a vegetarian, you start to see oh, more people are coming in because you have more options. Mm-hmm. You, you have to do that same analysis with your following. You have to see what your following engages in. And you have to feed into it, but not lose yourself in that, you know, at the same time. You have, to, right. you have to analyze it and be critical at this, and question, okay, am I going to enjoy making this type of content? If the answer is yes, then go for it. If you don't, then don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. For me, thankfully, everything that I was posting, people were liking because I was hitting a specific demographic. I wanted to reach men between the ages of 16 to fifty.
0: Okay, That's my. So you you were intentional in that. That was something oh, that you yeah, okay.
1: Because how am I going to work with Mercedes Benz? How am I going to work with um, you know motorcycle companies? How am I going to work with men's watch companies? How am I going to be able to make a living off of this if I'm not working with those big brands? Well, I have to curate a demographic that is specific to those brands. And okay. unfortunately, this doesn't just come. You know, it's not just the, like this is not just a thought you just developed. Right. Because of course. Yeah. I, yeah. This is like, you know, it takes education. It takes a lot of time of learning and being more analytical in the way that you approach social media. But long-term I was really looking at things in an exponential way. I wasn't looking at things as like, okay, I'm just going to continue sharing stuff until one day it hits off. No, Mm -hmm. I was way more strategic and I continue to be way more strategic. 90% of my ads that I put online uh, for products I sell are only targeting men. There's no, there's, there's no female demographic even though I do have a female following it's just if I'm trying to make a living off of this I'm not going to make a living selling beauty products or holding beauty products and so with social media you're an artist and you get to share your art but at the same time it's a business you have to approach it equally.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah and and I always feel like too that you know um, not everyone, you know, you, th- you think that, Hey, you know what, once I, once I start, um, getting a, a big following that, you know, it automatically, I'm going to be able to monetize my, my, uh, my audience or, or be able to work with brands. But I, I mean, I've, I've read situations where, um, where you know someone would have a big following and they're like hey guys you know what I'm, I'm coming out with some merchandise some sweaters uh you know i'd really love it if you guys would buy it and, and keep in mind this person had like two million three million followers right and 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 you know a uh, couple weeks months go by and and the, the sales numbers on that were were crazy low very unexpected so i think another element that goes to that is obviously putting out the content and being strategic but also i think that something that you do well is you, you make that connection with the audience. So when it's time to be like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm selling my presets or, Hey guys, you know what I'm doing this, doing that. You have an audience that is willing to actually go out there and be like, wow, you know what? i I like Alan's content. I like what he's doing. I like who he is as a person. I'm going to go out there and, um, and support. So how, how has connecting with your audience helped you in, in terms of that?
1: Yeah. Tremendously, man. I mean, you, you hit it like right on the head with that because that is the biggest, um, concern for so many people who are on social media, like you can have 10 million TikTok followers and dance Mm -hmm. all on in front of people. That doesn't mean you're going to sell anything. That doesn't mean that your audience are loyal to you. That doesn't mean that they're inspired by you. That just means that they're entertained by you. And I think entertainment is a very different thing than inspiration. Uh, And my thing on social media is to always inspire people to really get out, challenge themselves, be as creative as they can be. And yes, obviously I'm not like showcasing the most normal lifestyle. Like I, not everyone gets to fly around and do this and do that, but I talk about the process. I talk about the story. I break down how I was able to achieve that and why I did it. And and it goes back to the whole idea. Like if I were to sell merchandise, I wouldn't just put my name on a fricking piece of blue, like material and then sell it. That's not to me merchandise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd rather create a clothing brand, not sell merchandise. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, I get you.
1: In the same way with my presets, like and my I. I probably have the most expensive presets on the market right
0: now. Okay. And people was like
1: messaging me like dude your presets are so damn expensive I'm like well you're buying something that i put 10 15 years of work into it's not just hey put click on this picture make the picture right. look great and that's it no you're it's like going to like i don't know a, a high end brand and being like hey can i get this and then the person's like by the way this is like the most exotic leather that there is in the world and like you want this for like 10 dollars no <laughs> it's not happening
0: yeah um,
1: and I kind of have that in my, in my thought process. It's just like, create things that are of quality that people will actually appreciate and that are going to have longevity to them. Don't just make something and sell it because you have an audience. And unfortunately, that is the very common trend on social media where the moment you blow up, it's like, okay, I need merchandise. Uh, I need pots, I need t-shirts, I need this, this, that. And more and more, it's getting very desaturated. And yes, there's people who are making kind of money off of it, like every yeah, yeah. single day, Um, you know, a certain uh, person of influence is making some product that that they're selling. And some people are doing it exceptionally well and doing and putting out really good high end quality stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh I feel like you kind of described it, but do, do you feel like because you're, you take the opposite approach, do you feel like that is one of the things that separate, separate you? Because it is a saturated market. You said the influencer market is very, it's very saturated, but is that, is that one of the, the ways that or one of the things you do to separate yourself, to make yourself stand out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tried my best to like always think outside the box. If it was social media it is challenging because when i do something i feel like other people are also trying to do it as well or i'm trying to do something that maybe other people are doing but i'm always trying to put a spin on it and i think that's where you get to like you know really recalculate your creative uh, perspective but at the same time i think there's always these hurdles because it is social media right at the end of the day like all this content that we produce has a life life like like timeline to it it's not like it's gonna. some people go through your feed and they'll go like old pictures while other people don't they just to them it's just like it's like i need to see something new every single day and so it is a monster that you're feeding at the mm-hmm. end of the day and you have to separate yourself from it and then be like what can i do to make this a lot more fulfilling okay uh, or what can i do to change up the dynamic maybe one month i'll actually do a gallery exhibit and like invite friends so people can see the actual tangible you know photography and allow me to talk about the photo on the wall rather Mm -hmm. than just have it in a, in a, on a social app platform. So I think it's just
0: really thinking outside
1: the box and it's hard. Trust me, it's very but go on social media. And I can only imagine if I just started on social media right now and go online and I'd be like, Whoa, there's people making this much money doing this. And they get to have this lifestyle and it seems so easy. Like you get, you get convinced by an image of it. That is so unreal. Mm That's so, yeah. I know,
0: and I feel like also too. It's like, um, you know, some like, you know, people are, you know, more concerned about their online personality, how they look online, more so than how they actually are in person, which I think is crazy too, because, you know, as technology advances that actually might be the case where we might just be enveloped in like a whole virtual virtual world. And then, you know, it's like things, lines get skewed, but I want to bring it back to a point you, you said earlier about, um, you know, we're talking about making yourself different and and providing value to your audience. So I think you do that well with your, your YouTube channel, because on, on one end you, you know, you're a photographer, but I feel like you through the videos on YouTube, you translate that knowledge. So someone who's just like starting out or someone who is more advanced, just wants to know little tips and tricks, you know you you give that to them but it's like a it's entertaining and i feel like your your your, your personality comes through uh, in the videos so uh, on the youtube side has that really challenged you creatively um to a come up with content that's entertaining but also make sure that for the end you end viewer on the others on the other side that there's they're taking away something every time they watch a video of yours
1: yeah absolutely i mean the, the one thing that you kind of fall into a trap of with social media is that people want more and more of you and expect yeah. higher with you and so the training the, the educational element of it is always a tricky place because the more you put out videos of teaching things or tutorials on things people expect that and they expect right. that whole and there has to be a point where you're like okay yeah, I can't just keep you know so for me it's I don't know it's always a challenge like I love teaching people but I love teaching one-on-one I love you know doing workshops and stuff like that to be on in front of the camera talk to an online person Audience that I don't Mm -hmm. even know who's really on the other end. Mm -hmm. It's something challenging for me, and I and it has a lot to do with just the connection. If if there's no real connection, I feel like it's just a void space. Mm
0: -hmm. Some of my
1: friends do it so incredibly well, and you know they've grown these mega YouTube channels and uh, online, you know, teaching uh, websites and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I always find that it's just it's one of those things I try to balance, which I can't be honest. Yeah at the same time you do want a normal life you, you do want to seem like you, you go out and have fun with your friends and you're not on instagram one second TikTok the next youtube the next twitter and for me like i literally post and then like put my phone away i don't even like engage okay. I'll, i might say thank you for a couple of comments or my team will you know go back and answer some of the comments but i try to like really disconnect and okay. it's been proving to be the most successful way to approach social media because a it keeps me excited about posting because I'm not really worried about the feedback as much. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, oh, I'm just posting something, and then it's out of my way. Um, but everyone has their own approach, right? Some people really like sit there for hours and they wait and they see every comment. Uh, it's uh, it's like it's uh,
0: it's meant. It's like addicting. It's I think they were they they must have done some study. I, I forget what, but they it gets the dopamine levels and everything. It's almost like a like a drug, essentially, right? Dude,
1: it's yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's insane feeling when you wake up in the morning and you see like one of your pictures went viral or mm. it reached millions of people or you know what i mean like or someone very famous that you really like started following you because because of social media and it's just that stuff is it is it is a really good feeling mm-hmm. but not it doesn't live forever so I think yeah. what we'll lives forever is your, your actual happiness. Like how
0: happy of a person like are inside you inside internally? Yeah. Right? <laughs> how confident are you in yourself? Yeah. I think so too. It's actually funny you say that because, um, I was, we were, I was talking with Chris, uh, the other day, Chris, Howe, and he literally yeah. said, he, he literally said the exact same thing to me. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm at the point right now where I've noticed in the past. My mental health with, has actually suffered because I got too wrapped up in the, yeah. the comments and the like. So now he's doing exactly what you're doing. Is you know I post my post my photo, engage with the, with his audience for a bit, and then he you know he deletes the app and and that's it until yeah. um, until well, he posts.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I told him to stop deleting the app because it's just. And and a process that doesn't. Yeah,
0: he's got to reinstall it after. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: you just have to reinstall every time. But no, I think that it is. He's a very good example of someone that like blew up very quickly. and You know, when you do blow up very quickly, especially right now, it's a very different time than when I like was growing on social media, because right now, like, the quicker you grow on social media, like brands are discovering you much easier. Like before, they're just coming at you. Yeah, they're just coming at you and. You know fans are becoming very loyal and they're becoming very like, needy in some ways so it is it, it could feel overwhelming and it starts to question you start to question yourself a lot and i think that's where like having a very good group of circle of friends which you know I'm, I'm happy to have chris in my group of friends we, we talk about things we you know we help each other grow we we really engage on a different level with social media and we've tried to change the way we approach social media because a, we're not only there, but we're also instilling a lot of, um, you know, understanding in people that want to do what we're doing. Right. A lot of people want to be doing what we're doing. And I'd, I'd love to tell them like, listen, this is what you're going to face. This is what's going to happen. The moment you become very popular, it's going to get straight to your head and you're going to think that you're like godly and that's not the case. you are not that important. You're important to the people that know you, but you're not important to the entire world to the point where you think that like a like is going to affect you or be like the amount of likes you get is going to be equivalent to who you are as a human. That's, that has nothing to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm. now that's that i like how you make that point did you find in the beginning um i mean you you said your 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 success and your falling kind of grew gradually it wasn't all at once but even still did you, you know were you tempted did you did you find yourself kind of going that that route or have, have you been someone who's always stayed grounded you know because maybe your family your friends kind of were, were on you maybe about that stuff like hey alan you know you're getting a little bit of a big head you know you got to calm down type of thing
1: <laughs> i honestly i've never faced it and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I didn't want this. I didn't. Okay. Like I like to to this day. Like yesterday, I went out and I I literally bring in the pillow. I saw this pillow at uh, the bay, and it's it's a building architectural building on a pillow. And I was like, oh man, I should go back to architecture. <laughs> so to me, it's like I, I've never dis disconnected from the idea of learning and continuing continuing doing other things. Like I okay. have my hands dabbled in so many things that for me being popular on social media is irrelevant. Yeah,
0: I, it's the last it's thing on your It's really
1: mind. cool. It's, it's really nice to be like you walk into a place and people know you or, you know, to be able to get through the door in certain things right. that because of who you are, or the number of followers you have mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like that, that to me has, I'd rather live a mysterious life where no one knows me, where I'm not even on the internet okay. than to be on the internet and to be like this open, but because of the value that I'm gaining from it and experience mm-hmm. it it outweighs the other right now. And I'm just like, okay, I'll go with it. And I'll be as open to the world as I can. I'm not going to disclose everything about my life. And I'm not going to share my entire like friends and family and everything like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, the- I, I was just thinking like, you know, maybe when you get older, like retirement age, I could see you just going off to maybe like the yeah. coast of Italy and something just disappearing. <laughs>
1: oh, I mean, yeah, no idea. The moment this COVID is done. Yeah. I'm I'm out and I'm gonna go buy a place in Italy. I'm just gonna live on the beach and just like uh, I can't.
0: It, honestly, I'm I'm Italian, so I'm a little biased, but it's oh, a beautiful, beautiful country uh, to me. I don't know, you know, oh, it's just it's I, beautiful.
1: Me, yeah, it's it's my second home. I, I visit Italy for the last how many years of my life? For the last twenty years of my life, I've been going wow. every year. Yeah, yeah. I don't miss the opportunity to go to Italy. I love Spain as well. I mean, there's a lot of places in in Europe that I'm like really uh, tied to and. Um, I'd love to have a home in, in, in Malfi or oh, or Sicily or something like that one
0: day. <laughs> yeah. Or Capri or something like that. Or, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to uh, go back to a little bit about the, um, the branding stuff. So when you uh, for brands that are reaching out to you, obviously, you know, maybe brands you'd work with in the beginning is different from the brands you'd work with now that um, you know uh, you've built your brand up to this extent. So what are, some requirements or what do you look for um, when a brand approaches you? And maybe if you want to hit on some advice for, you know, creatives out there who have brands approaching them and what they should really be focused on uh, and to make sure that the relationship works and that they're not, not getting taken advantage of, but just that they're, um, you know, getting the, the, the value in the situation, the providing value, but they're also not um, getting taken advantage of at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's easy to get taken advantage of especially right now where you might question your next paycheck. And so right. you might find a contract with someone or do it, which uh, you know, happens very often to people because the moment, I mean, it's unpredictable when you work for yourself as a, as a I mean, if you work for yourself in any industry, you mm-hmm. don't know where your income is gonna come from. Sometimes no. it might be there and sometimes it might not. And so you can get taken advantage of. And I think the best way to approach it is just to really always understand your value and to put things into perspective and to really draw a map of the things that you've done in the past and the things that you want to do in the future. while well, working with this client and sacrificing a hey, maybe a budget or might whatever it might be, gonna get you to where you wanna be. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They just work in the moment and they accept things in the moment and they think that's the, the furthest they're gonna get. And I don't look at the world like that. I'm always like, okay, what does the next five years look like for Alan? What does the next 10 years look like? what is my brand growth going to look like strategically if I continue doing this or going into this direction? Um, and yeah, that is a challenge in its own, but it doesn't take, it takes 10 minutes to sit down and write out your thoughts,
0: right? It take, it does, yeah. You know,
1: It takes less than two minutes to really sit down and think through a decision rather than make it on the spot. But keeping a very good rapport with the client is huge. I follow okay. up with all my clients, even when I'm not working on campaigns with them, just to see mm-hmm. how they're going. At the end of the day, there's a person that's repping that client or an agency that's in between and keeping that dynamic where they understand that you appreciate that the opportunity or that you like working with them is so important to continuing your brand. And then I think just really understanding what their needs are. Like a lot of people, they'll just do a campaign and they'll, They'll try to, they don't really think outside the box of how to really exceptionally prove themselves to the client.
0: Okay. At the end of the day,
1: it's not just about creating really cool content. It's about selling a product or pushing a product that the brand might want. Um, and sense. that might be reinventing the wheel for them and being, being critical and being like, hey, listen, you guys have been doing this for the last five years. Can we try this? And that that little idea might be the thing that they're like, oh, hooked on. And they're like, and the next, you know, you're working with them for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then, Right. Which is crazy.
0: Um, so, in terms of uh, in terms of the creative, from your experience, uh, the brands that you've worked with, have they have they really allowed you to take control of the creative? Is it is it kind of hey, Alan, um, you know, I trust you creative wise, take control of the vision, or is it more so hey, we have our ideas, I know you have your ideas, let's work together on this? It depends on the
1: client. Some clients are very particular about what they want because they have their own aesthetic and guidelines. Um, some other clients are like they're just already like fans of your work and they're just like, whatever produce is going to get like thumbs up. And I love working with those clients, but at the same time, I do need those other clients to challenge me to be like, okay, you know what? You didn't do this that well. You should try it differently. Mm -hmm. But there also comes a point in time when you have to say, you know what, like, um, you have to sit down and be like with the client, maybe this is not the perfect collaboration. Maybe you're not, you're not fit for my, my specific brand. And for me, it's a little bit difficult because a lot of these brands, they don't only request me to take images of
0: content or create content,
1: but they want me to model the content.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Okay. So if I'm
1: modeling your, your product and shooting it and right. doing the creative behind it, it's quite a lot. And I have to now think about, do I want my face on this app online? Right. Mm-hmm. Do I, does this work for me? Does is this actually connect? Because you,
0: you have to think about your personal brand as well. It's a reflection okay. of you. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been
1: in like a couple of years ago, I, I was in a circumstance, a situation where I was literally going to start planning certain like my own like clothing brand. Mm-hmm. And then I did a collaboration with a couple of different clothing companies. And I was like, fuck. I was like, what do I do now? Like, yeah, uh, there's like 20 ads of me online wearing their clothing. If I come up with my clothing, it's just going to be contradicting. So I had to like, right. at that time kind of grow out. And then now approach it differently. Um, and that means sacrificing money, right? That's that to me is I like, look, yeah, I won't take that job from whoever it is. I'll, I'll just wait until I create my own
0: brand. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said uh, a couple times already, you're you're playing. It seems to me like you're playing the long game anyway. So I don't think you you really have the mentality of, hey, you know, oh, like I'm missing out. Know, I got I got to get a short term client right now to make that money back, which is which is good. You know, it's yeah. it's about longevity at the end of the day. Um, so that kind of leads into, I guess, a lot of the creative work uh you do with your with your studio, Planner Studios. So yeah. obviously you have your individual personal branding stuff, the YouTube stuff, and now the creative stuff you do with Planner Studios. So what um made you want to kind of attack this new venture and maybe what was the inspiration and the mission behind it?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, uh I have to do a shout out to one of the directors at Air Canada who really go. okay. Yeah, who was just like, who sat me down and he said, listen, what you're doing on social media is incredible, but what you could do long-term for companies is even better. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is actually something that someone else is seeing potential in me. And I always thought about it. I always wanted a production studio, but it was more like an actual like firm that does design. It was nothing to do with photography. So it's like all these things I want to do with architecture that I didn't get the chance to do that I'm doing now with photography okay uh, like video and film and stuff like that so that conversation sparked this thought in my head okay if I create a production company or a firm or a studio whatever it might be what am I doing and mm-hmm. I and I created like a, um, a list of goals and it was really creating unique pieces of content that would live a long time for brands and that they could recycle the content constantly without having to feel like it's outdated or it's mm-hmm. not it, it doesn't resonate anymore with the brand um, so it's that that was very important to me because I got tired and frustrated with the fact that like I was creating content and it would only be online for a day. And then you move know? On after, yeah. And then people would just move on. I was like, no, the, the work that you produce should have life to it. Like it should, that ad should come up like 10 years from now and people would mm-hmm. be like, whoa, I remember that ad. That ad was really cool. And it's difficult because in the beginning, you're not going to get the biggest budgets. You're not going to get like everything that you thought imaginatively. Um, because at the end of the day, like I'm doing too many things, like I yeah. have my hands in too many things, but I wanted to test it out. I want to see if that grew to something at a level that I could like really monetize well, then I'd go and fully get involved in it. And I have, uh, but COVID came this right. year. was. This year was, this year was going to be my, my year actually. to be honest. It
0: was set up to be that way. Yeah.
1: This year was, this year was going to change my life and mm-hmm. it did change my life in other ways, but. You know, things happen.
0: Yeah. And hey, you know what? Maybe 2021, 2022, yeah. it, it, it <laughs> takes it even further and you're, you know, it's just even more crazier, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a but, lot,
1: everyone had goals this year. and Of things. course. Uh, for me, it was like, I worked the last two years on my production company and I finally got agreement to do certain productions and my, like, my name was going to be on certain things I was going to be very proud of. Um okay. And it's
0: just a matter of rescheduling. Mm, yeah.
1: And it's like working with whatever the
0: circumstances are now. But yeah. Uh, uh, being, a, uh, being adaptable, I guess, at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, you have to be a. Uh, so a, a point that you mentioned that, you know, you say right, or right now um, that you're, you, you have your hands in, in a lot of pots and you're, you're stretched pretty thin. So how important is, is team, your staff uh, or, you know, people that you have working with you? Um, and do you have a, a team? Like, do you have people that help you with the creative direction, the video production, photography, uh, so that you aren't all doing it by yourself? Because, you know, essentially, I feel like at this point, you just don't have the time to focus on every single thing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's virtually impossible for someone to do social media full time, do YouTube videos full time, have a production company, like do all this stuff. It's if it, you need a team. And sometimes like I tell my friends, I'm like, if you don't have the income to hire someone, just utilize some of your friends or your friend okay. your family that's like that's the potential in what you're doing. And at the end of the day everyone benefits, right? Like you, mm-hmm. I get to fly some of my friends with me on amazing trips and show them amazing places around the world and um and i built a really solid team of people that i work with um, in terms of my video production in terms of my personal content and it takes time and sometimes people go and come and then you know people change their minds Because at the end of the day if i get to show someone a the perspective they're like holy shit this is possible they might get inspired to do it themselves and that happens quite a lot um unfortunately that's the nature of this industry is that everyone's freelance, and no one wants to be tied down uh so i don't ever try to tie down anyone i'm always just like any project that's this, it's going to come to you. Any project that's like this, is going to come to this person so that okay. the person knows they have a responsibility with me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'd let everyone do whatever they want just so that they still feel like they're creating stuff for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, and they have that option to explore different opportunities well and expand their, their creative mindset. hundred yeah. percent. Um, so I think a, a important point to hit on here. So obviously it's been a process creating the, um, your, your studio, uh, company, what are a few lessons or a few things that you've learned along the way that maybe you can share for our audience who might be, uh, you know, they might be creatives out there who are looking to start their own agency or their own studio. Uh, what are a few lessons or tips that you can share, uh, from your experience that might help them out?
1: Definitely. I mean, bubble diagrams are so important. <laughs> yeah. So- Thought diagrams, are like writing down your thoughts, is something, it's an art that is missing entirely in our, in our, in our generation, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, constantly write down my thoughts and I strategize on paper what I'm doing. And I have this one technique that I always uh, like insist on my friends doing it. No matter what situation you're dealing in life, this technique helps you where you draw a circle and in the circle in the middle, you have your goal or you have the thing that you want to focus on. Okay. And it can be anything, it can be a relationship, it could be you know, a job, it could be, and then you draw another circle and you say, these are the things that benefit from being in this particular circle. And then you do a third tier and then these are the friends. Some people do it for like friends, like they're like trying to figure out which friends to keep and which friends to lose because they might okay. be wasting their time with other people. They'll have like their best friends in the middle or the family and then they'll have another, it's like people that they've met and the people that they've networked. And then, and then what you do is you have all these tiers and circles that all lead to a middle place. And what you do is you slowly erase the outer circles okay. to, and you slowly erase them as you work towards those. So if you're saying, you know, that one friend group that I have that I met from this event, mm-hmm. I don't need to be really friends with because I'm trying to like really you know, partition my time properly with my friends, family, and everyone else that I really Mm -hmm. care about, you eliminate eliminate them, you know, you just eliminate that, or you eliminate that factor that might be impeding on your goal. You know, I mean, it's, I'm doing too many activities. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I horseback ride, play soccer, play tennis. Maybe I have to give up one sport because I need to focus on my business. It's like, it's really managing yourself that way. But yeah, I mean, just, it's, again, it's just really being analytical. Mm -hmm. And social media allows you to be analytical. Your work allows you to be analytical. If you're not making money, there's a reason for it. If you want to make money, there's a way for it. Um, And that takes time and it just, and there's like courses online on how to do it. There's like, there's an abundance
0: as well as a good resource.
1: Yeah, I think think that the issue is that people get lazy with themselves and you can't be lazy with yourself. You have to be multifaceted. You have to be interdisciplinary. You have mm-hmm. to be able to really take on different roles and challenge yourself to, to grow as a person. Um, and it's nice to just lay down on the couch and be lazy and hope the world is going to become a better place for you. But that's mm-hmm. not realistic. Yeah. It just isn't.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, you gotta if you want something, you kind of get a gotta get up off that couch and and grab it because you know well, especially as something I've learned, it's like no one's gonna present it to you on a silver platter. Be like, hey, here you go. You know, it's it's kind yeah. of what no man, one does. So, no, yeah. and we have expectations
1: that 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 is the reality, but it's not at all. It's mm-hmm. really not. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so just reflecting back on you know all you've accomplished, you've accomplished a lot. Is there a moment or? maybe a, an accomplishment that you're most proud of that kind of just just stick with sticks with you and really resonates with you uh
1: i don't know <laughs> i feel like there's quite a bit um i don't know i think just in general like i just look at like even like this the one comment i get on the photo i'm just like mm. well this is like it still hits me I, every single time I, I share something and the message is like this is amazing dude or like some people see me as the best photographer in the world and i'm like Holy right. cow! Wow, yeah. To them, I might be the best photographer in the world. To me, I'm not. I don't consider myself the best photographer in the world by any means. Yeah. But the fact that someone thinks that is—it's such an incredible feeling to have, man. It's mm-hmm. unexplainable. You know, what I mean, or and I get emails from like really young kids, like thirteen-year-old kids, who are just kind of lost in life and they don't know what to do, and they're asking me for advice. And I feel like that's—that's wow. that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, I get to give someone uh, some sort of advice. And it's really difficult because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to tell kids not to go to school or to do, course, this, yeah. not do this, but the fact that someone is coming to me for advice meaning that they trust me and that I'm, whatever I'm doing is, is good, which is, mm-hmm. which is really nice. It's a humbling feeling.
0: No, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. Just cause you know, we, we sometimes get messages be like, Oh, I really like this interview. I really like that. Or I like that piece of content or that video shot. And it's just like, uh, I, I feel like sometimes people, people don't understand how powerful the words are. Like, even if it's just like a, a little, Oh, that was good. It's like, you know, the people, the person that's on the receiving end is like, Oh wow. Like they really like that. Yeah. So, and that well, motivates you to like make other stuff, you know? So it's a chain reaction.
1: Absolutely, man. It, it definitely motivates you in, in so many ways. Um, and yeah, you just gotta work with it, right? That's that's such good energy. Could you imagine like having mm-hmm. that type of every single day? It's like, even if there's noise in the background, like I still focus on the positivity of it, and I'm just like, okay, I I can keep doing this because this is working, right?
0: Exactly. Uh, so uh, a little. This is a little bit of a big question, but you know, if you were to, you know, uh, you know, when you get to the the end of your life, you know, you're on your deathbed. What what do you want? Alan Palander's legacy to be like, what do you want people, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to say about you when you, when you leave the, the earth? Well, to be honest with you, I'm
1: not really concerned about people. I don't know. It's more oh, people. Okay. I do
0: know, and I think that is
1: just that I was a good, good person. And I like, you know, I loved the, the people the best I could and that's it. Okay. I don't, I'm not trying to live a life of legacy or like have unrealistic expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I get to a point in my career where I have made a massive impact around the world, then that would be super, super dope. But like, I don't want a plaque or a a statue of me anytime. And I don't know. I I don't think like that stuff is awesome, but I think it also puts um, pressure. It puts a pressure on people. And I think that that's the, that's the point where people start to lose them. Like, Good example is Kanye West. You know, I knew like a very uh,
0: he, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that very proud
1: person. nominal mm-hmm. done phenomenal music. He's done. He's a he has an amazing idea when it comes to his fashion stuff. I would never discredit his artistic abilities, but just enjoy your moment. Right. Stop desiring so much more. Like where you are in your life is so monumental. Mm-hmm. And. It Done, unachievable for everyone in the world. It's like I—who can say that they've done what he is able to achieve? Not many people. Not many people. Like, dude, the moment you're looking at your bank account and you can't even read out the numbers, right? You should stop and fucking sit down and And enjoy. Enjoy, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that's that's where like the the the, I guess how do I say the the curve starts to fall. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it's
0: want- like, the, 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 like, the always, like the curve of always wanting, because like, you think about, like you just made a perfect point where it's like, you know, you can't even read out, he probably can't even read out the amount of zeros in his bank yeah. account. And yet <laughs> in his mind, that's not enough or I want more. I need to push the envelope. So it's almost... I mean, almost- you have a family of kids. You have everything you want. like I don't Exactly. Know
1: if, and I obviously there's mental conditions that are involved in this circumstance, but I think a lot of those mental conditions are impacted by this this desire to be much 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 more mm. uh, and obviously the U.S. is a very messed up situation and there is limitations on people who are of the colors there are you know who, who come from certain areas around like in in the country and so on and so forth
0: mm-hmm. and
1: obviously you want to break barriers but I think there's just a different way of doing it I don't know I'm not someone who's like trying to live a monumental life. I think it's just more like live your best life and love the people that love you. And that's it. Like,
0: yeah, I like that. I like that too. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta live for yourself and those, and those you hold closest to you and that's, you know, all, all that you can do. Right. So I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, So for people who want to follow you, subscribe to your content, get in contact with you uh, just, you know, get to know you uh, online and stuff like that, where's the best place for them to reach out to you?
1: Honestly, they can, Follow me on Instagram. As easiest thing to do, uh, okay. They can DM me if they want. It's very difficult for me to answer all the DMs, but I try to once in a while just to go in there and uh, you know connect with someone. Uh, my email info at I always go through my emails myself, and I challenge myself all the time to reply. <laughs> <I always laughs> <laughs> but sometimes there's such heartfelt, uh, you know, emails, and it's it's hard to give someone advice on certain personal things in their lives. But right. um, yeah, anywhere I mean, anywhere you find me on the internet is is more than enough okay don't and,
0: and, don't <laughs> you don't want anyone showing up at your house or anything like that <laughs> um so guys we'll make sure to uh leave all those links in the description box below so if you guys do want to uh check out all those links that he uh just said you guys will do that uh, fairly easily so alan we end off gonna end off with a little rapid fire question game We're yes. gonna rifle off some some quick questions quick rapid uh responses back you ready to go Yeah, I'm Okay. So first one, if you're on the, if you were on the TV show survivor and had to vote either Peter McKinnon, Chris Howe, or Manny Hapuja off the Island, who would you choose?
1: Off the Island,
0: off the Island. Like he's voted off the Island.
1: Oh man, that's a hard one. Oh, (laughs) oh, I would probably get Peter off the Island.
0: Okay. Well, is there a certain reason why?
1: Well, I mean, if, if we're going to survive, I feel like Peter would want to just live on the island. Right. And I'm not down to live on the island. <laughs> like I know Matty and, and uh, Chris would be like, yo, dude, let's get the hell off this island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, hey man, life is good.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I can carve this out of this tree and stuff like that. Oh my God. That's funny.
0: <laughs> I can see that too. Okay. Next one. Um, what's your favorite place you've traveled to?
1: Oh, that's a so little hard. Probably motherland. I love Iraq. It's okay. Of course. A place in the world that I truly think everyone needs to discover once in their life. If you want to feel where, like, the cradle of civilization, where, I mean, like, where humans actually started coexisting, mm-hmm. and, like, where you just feel like the soil there, like, is, I don't know. It's just, it's just different.
0: Oh, man. It's unreal. Unreal. It's so it's, what, place would you, what place would you recommend someone check that out?
1: Uh, they can come to my city. Um, uh, I'm in the, north, in the northern part of the country. It's called Airbil. Okay. Uh, and there's a small little town next to it called Ankawa, which is where I was born. So that okay. area is awesome.
0: Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look because uh, I, I am yeah, gonna look know. those places oh. up. Definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna Google it right now. <laughs> um, so next one, what's your favorite camera lens of all time? I think I know the answer to this, and I, I think your audience will know, but let's just hear it.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. There's a couple, but I right now I'm like obsessed, obsessed with uh, my 24 to 70.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would have said 35 millimeter, but I'm kind of over it now.
0: <laughs> okay. So the, oh, that's, what, that's what I thought you would have said, but I guess you're over <laughs> it now. So it makes sense.
1: <laughs> it, it's a great prime lens, um, but it's just sometimes it becomes difficult to use for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Definitely
0: certain, certain situational type of lens uh, for sure. Um, so last one, if you could have dinner with anyone, either dead or alive, who would it be?
1: Oh. Dead or alive.
0: Yeah. Oh, I,
1: I would have loved. This is gonna be more and more emotional one, but I would love to have dinner with my grandpa. I oh. never got to see him, so it would have been amazing. Because I've heard so many stories about him, and yeah. that would have been. If it was someone that I didn't know, I would mm-hmm. probably choose, uh, Anthony Gaudi, which is um, a, very renowned architect from Spain that built, okay, the majority of the beautiful architecture in Barcelona.
0: Awesome. Well, Alan, that concludes the interview. Thank you, man, for uh, stopping by and uh, talking with me. Really appreciate it, Uh, guys. We'll make sure to leave all of the uh, social links in the description box below, uh, as well as our own. So if you guys want to keep up to date on everything Real Collective, uh, you'll be able to do so. Alan, thank you again, and we'll catch you guys soon. Hey guys, it's your host, Brady Carducci. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Real Talks. Just wanted to give a special thanks to our editor, Daniel, for editing this episode and our producer, Jesse, for creating the music. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It would honestly help us out tremendously. If you would like to stay up to date on new episode releases, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on Instagram at Real Show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode of Real Talks.